0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. Well, huge fallout from the acquittal of a white Saskatchewan farmer, in the shooting death of Colton Bushi, a young Indigenous man. He was shot in the head at point-blank range with a handgun. Defendant Gerald Stanley argued it was an accident. This has sparked protests around the country, and the family is in Ottawa today meeting with federal ministers. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister and the Justice Minister are taking heat for commenting on the case in tweets, saying... Canada's justice system must do better. Many in the legal community argue this could compromise the independence of our judiciary. Uh, we'd like you to weigh in on this. The numbers to call 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we go to Kim Jonathan, who is the first vice chief in the Federation of of, uh, Sovereign Indigenous Nations. Uh, Vice Chief Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
2: Good morning, and thank you for taking interest in highlighting um, the case. Okay, and and what would you like to see happen here? There has to be, uh, there must be a lot of uh, significant systemic Changes within the justice system. Uh, there's been, from the beginning, um, more than disharmony, more than disrespect that that's occurred, right from the release of the that the RCMP did notifying the public that this was in highlighting that this was a theft. The communiqué that that went out, the media release, to. Uh, the next of kin notification, where the next of kin uh, was wasn't um, respectful by any means. It was inhumane. Um, there was uh, they there was, they stormed her her home, and when when they were told that uh, Debbie or Debbie the mom had said that the, that we're waiting for Coco. We don't know what's going on. Like what? Like they they didn't know, and we're waiting for for uh, him and
1: vice chief. I'm I'm going to stop you there because I, I think that um, uh, what you're referring to people people aren't really clear on the backstory for that part of it. I, I gather that you have met with the family. How are they doing?
2: Well, they're obviously um, they've the decision came as a huge shock. To not just the family, but uh, society, mm-hmm. and so they're obviously uh, like all of us are enraged. Mm-hmm. We're very hurt, uh, frustrated, and disappointed with the system that's in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, having said that, they're also focused. They're they're also um, this is just too important to not be focused and to let distractions occur. Distractions such as the the um apparently people are making trying to, you know, make money for for um Gerald Stanley and the indigenous people are seeing that as a bounty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now um
1: are you going to be I gather uh that uh uh, I think the Chiefs of Ontario, I'm not sure which group is going to be calling for an appeal or a public inquiry into this case or the administration of justice. Is, is that what your plan is?
2: We've already called for that. We've called for an appeal. Um, we've called for an inquiry. We've highlighted that the Crown Prosecutor did not have any um, relationship with the family, we had our, our, our own um, lawyer, legal counsel, Chris Murphy, come from Toronto, and he was he is he's a he and in his 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 own words, he's a white farmer that saw that this was not right, and so um, we have asked for an inquiry and 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 an appeal, and um, and the family's called on that. Now, the thing is. When we have uh, that inquiry and the appeal, um, it's up to right now the Crown Prosecutor to call for an appeal. But he wouldn't even have any discussions, return emails to the lawyer that the family had, um, had, brought, had brought into uh, for support for them. And I know it's different for, to, for um, a family of, of a victim to have legal counsel. But because of the history in Saskatchewan and and in that area and First Nations not uh, receiving true justice, um, they recognize that we we need a set of eyes on here, legal expertise.
1: Now, uh, I gather that one of the issues that people have is with uh, this thing that's called a preemptory challenge of a juror, where you can challenge a juror juror, uh, based on whatever. And uh, and, uh, the feeling is that that was not fair to Indigenous people because we, we ended up in a situation where there were no Indigenous people on this jury.
2: It's more than not fair. It's discriminatory. So, all you have to do is, is take a look at someone who may look visibly like a First Nations person and say, "Challenge." That's that's it. That's it. That's all. And people, a lot of people didn't know that. So it's very outdated, and that must change. We, we that that can't be the credentials based on someone's look, looks, or appearance. That just contributes to. Continued racism, and that's within our in our justice system. That's, well, I mean, to
1: to be fair, under that system, uh, the crown can can uh, disqualify jurors, you know, with the same criteria.
2: They could exactly exactly our point. And so, when you have um, the area, and I guess maybe you need to appreciate that it's not just these are not just um, words or. or, or Things that people are making up. This has been reality over and over again, um, and so we've we've witnessed that. We see that, and and it's it's barbaric.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, uh, how would you like to see that particular aspect of jury selection change, The rules for that.
2: Well, that uh, well, obviously, that needs to be taken out. There needs that that part of the credentials has to be removed it's so outdated it's it's just i mean i I don't understand why it's there
1: um yeah um so uh you want that eliminated from all uh jury trials oh yes well of course and um, is there anything else? And do you have uh, what? What do you think about the way that the prime minister and the justice uh, minister um, got involved uh, with their tweets?
3: You probably have a little time. Yeah. Well, I don't, I
4: don't see how it's over though. Where is it? Just, defense and all just, this? That's just so weird to me.
1: I'm gonna check. I, I think we have some kind of technical Austin. issue uh, here. Well, just, just a second. Okay. Um. I'm talking to, I'm ta- sorry, I'm, I'm talking to uh, Vice Chief Kim Jonathan. Uh, Vice Chief, so um, before we wrap things up here, you want to see an end to the system of preemptory challenges, and what else?
2: There's a list that the family, our legal counsel, and, and um, the support, and myself, have compiled that we will be making public once we present it to the Prime Minister, the Minister of Justice and, um, and Safety, um, Goodale, um, Wilson-Raybould, um, and um, Trudeau. So there is a list that we've compiled.
1: Okay, um, thank you very much for that. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, we are going to bring in Ari Goldkind, criminal lawyer. Hello, Ari. Hello, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, so, um, what is your take on this? Uh, a lot of flack for the Prime Minister and uh, uh, the Justice Minister for getting involved in tweets that said they uh, feel for the family and Canada should do better. Uh, is that in interfering with the independence of the judiciary?
4: It is, and I don't think there's nearly enough flack. I think the flack is basically one story that, you know, is going and being spread across Canada. But I don't think there's any serious flack. I actually think this is grounds... And I mean, I'd go as far as saying a minister of justice who interfered in a non-Indigenous story where the person was a little bit... or the deceased was less popular or certain public opinion behind would probably have to step down. This is a minister of justice who is essentially called... Twelve people on that jury racist. It's a Minister of Justice who has no business saying anything like that. It's a Minister of Justice that has basically said the verdict was wrong, and if we ever had another trial, we should have people convicting. This, to me, is a perverse notion. If you're somebody like me that believes in the separation of church and state, which some people don't anymore.
1: What church about what state, the you? Prime Minister says? I mean, there's been... A, there. I've seen various takes on that uh, from various lawyers. Oh, yeah. uh, most... Sorry, most don't like it, but they say that uh, they don't think it would interfere with an appeal or anything like that.
4: There's nothing here. There's no appeal in law. There's no grounds for an appeal. This is all political virtue signaling. This, to me, is one of the more bizarre notions in Canada where we complain about the president south of the border obstructing and interfering and doing this. But here to try and get brownie points in a case that they don't even understand. They don't understand what went on in the courtroom. They don't understand the evidence. They haven't even spun it correctly. You know, they're basically saying that the all-white jury must be racist. I mean, I know it's open season to sort of criticize certain races, particularly ones that people have an axe to grind against, but the idea that all of these 12 people on the jury must be racist and they couldn't have followed the law and the verdict is wrong, boy, that's some really, really diseased thinking to me. But the world we live in now is different.
1: Okay. Um, Let me ask you this, though. Um, I think you were alluding to this. Uh, In order to have an appeal, my understanding is they have to find an error in law.
4: Correct. And one that's worth, not worthy of, you can't just find an error. There's often lots of errors that happen. No issue with that. It has to be one capable of rendering a different verdict. It's even tougher living. A lot of people don't know this. To appeal an acquittal, usually an appeal is of a conviction, of a first-degree murder, a second-degree murder, or anything like that. Here, you have an acquittal, which makes it even tougher. The fact that the prime minister and the minister of justice, who herself is part Indigenous, don't like a verdict or don't think it speaks well to an Indigenous community that is outraged about it, the whole reason we have a courtroom, not the courtroom of public opinion, but the one that has rules and evidence, is to prevent exactly this kind of political interference in verdicts that are not popular, but have gone before 12 peers of the accused. It's not about 12 peers of the victim or the community.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, they're arguing that it's not 12 peers of the accused.
4: Well, they're wrong, because at the end of the day... The way this jury was picked was completely kosher, to use that term. There's a huge problem in Saskatchewan about this jury issue and how jurors who are Indigenous often don't attend when they're summons to jury duty. The issue of peremptory challenges you just mentioned as well is one that's completely misunderstood today in a very, very significant way that will end up biting, by the way, the very people who want to do away with it in the posterior. They don't even realize the danger... Of the argument they're putting forward.
1: Okay, well, let's let's discuss that. Uh, so, one of the things, I guess, that are on the table uh, by Indigenous groups who feel very aggrieved by this verdict is uh, getting rid of the preemptory challenges, and that's why the opposing counsel can say, uh, "I don't like juror X; he's disqualified, or she's disqualified." <laughs>
4: Uh, well, okay. So let's explain the way peremptory challenges are. For example, there's this idea that just the defense lawyer, just the defense lawyer, used his challenges to get rid of visibly. Remember this visibly indigenous jurors. Okay, that's not necessarily something that anybody should be concerned about. Why? Because the crown attorney also used his challenges to get rid of people who looked and were of the same age and background of Gerald Stanley. That's the whole idea of these challenges. They're used fairly. They're not just used by the defense. People don't realize that until I explain it. Secondly, imagine you're an indigenous person on a jury. Imagine. And you're on trial for something you say you didn't do. Now you've got no peremptory challenges. What is a peremptory challenge in English, just for people who don't know that word, is you can get rid of somebody on a jury for any reason you want. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to account for it. Nothing. Nothing. So why does that matter if you're Indigenous? What if a white person or a black person or an Asian person, or you pick your poison, comes to the jury stand and is giving your Indigenous client an evil-eye look, and you just don't like the way they're being looked at? You get away with a... There's no more peremptory challenges. You can't get rid of that person. Imagine the danger here of getting rid of it. Now, the UK has gotten rid of it. The US has concerns about it. If you want to get rid of peremptory challenges, you don't get rid of it because of the Colton Bushy case. You get rid of it because you have some evidence or some other study that suggests it leads to perverse verdicts. That is not a reason here because certain people don't like a verdict to get rid of something that we know has worked for hundreds of years.
1: Well, it's also interesting, because I gather that whole system of uh, preemptory challenges has uh, given rise to uh, kind of a whole profession where uh, all kinds of people can slice and dice a juror and figure out all kinds of
4: things about them.
1: Uh, Am I correct there?
4: Well, yes and no. In Canada, you only get 14 challenges. So as a defense lawyer who's picking juries every month, you only get 14 of these challenges. So you'd be a completely malpracticing defense lawyer if you use them willy-nilly or got rid of the 14 quickly, because once you get rid of them, you're left with every single person that comes through that door, even if they're looking at your client like they want to kill them. So they're used strategically. And remember, Libby, the whole problem with this Colton Bushy case is that they were used fairly by both sides to advance their case. That's the whole idea of the adversarial system of rules and checks and balances, and when you only have 14, it's not like you can sit there and go no, 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 no to every white person or every indigenous person. The system isn't broken, and the fact that certain people don't like or understand a certain verdict, that verdict being quite strange, I still think it could have been a manslaughter, doesn't mean you change the system because Twitter says you should.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, following up on, on uh, the Prime Minister and the Justice Minister's uh, involvement in this, uh, can anything, is there any recourse?
4: No. I mean, yeah. Well, look, if they really wanted to do something, the cheesiest, and I use that word purposely, the cheesiest and cheapest thing to do is to go on Twitter, okay? If you really want to change things, you go to the root of the issue. You tell the truth about the day of Colton Bushi's death. You tell the truth about what every person did that day. You don't just have a headline saying they had a flat tire. You look into everybody's behavior. Now, do I think this young man should have ended up dead that day? I most certainly do not. But you don't change the jury system. You change the conditions that have made Indigenous people have a tougher time in different communities. You don't just pay lip service and tweet service to it. You actually do the hard work and the heavy lifting not doing another one of these kumbaya moments that our Prime Minister, to his credit, is so skillful at doing while accomplishing nothing else legislatively.
1: Hmm. And uh, what about the idea of a public inquiry?
4: No, absolutely insane, because I can tell you right now, not only would that be the biggest waste of money and the biggest virtue-signaling exercise ever, We actually have had this when it comes to jury selection and jury picking and what happened in Bushi, which is a royal commission in Saskatchewan discovered and studied why there are few Aboriginal or Indigenous people on juries. And it's not through any fault where somebody can point the finger at and change it. It is simply a question of numbers, the rural area where there are socioeconomic factors of Indigenous. So short of driving... Indigenous people to court or making it easier for them to respond to their jury uh, summons, which has been studied, this is not my opinion, it's been studied that they don't respond the same way as others do to their civic duty, then you don't need a public inquiry, again, or or if you're going to have a public inquiry, have it on the murdered and missing Indigenous women, which affects more people as a broader social issue, start there. Instead of this issue where the lawyers did their job, the jury spoke, if you think the jury did wrong, don't tweet, file an appeal, put something in law that says it was done incorrectly in law, don't go to anti-social media so you can be loved and loved and more beloved.
1: Uh, Ari, hang on a sec. I just want to give the numbers out again. Uh, I know some people have been very patiently waiting. Uh, 416-360-0740. Toll-free 866 740 4740 I am on the line with Ari Goldkind, criminal lawyer, and we are talking about the events of uh, the weekend. On Friday, we had a not guilty verdict uh, for the man uh, accused of murdering Colton Bushy an Indigenous young man, Um, and uh, uh, there have been protests since then, and also a reaction to the Prime Minister and the Justice Minister tweeting. Um, Ari, is there any kind of recourse that uh, the justice system, I mean, is there any kind of rebuke from any court that's possible or anything like that?
4: No, because the starting point is, is that nothing that happened there but for a verdict, which is odd, and which does in some way lead to questions being asked. But it's not for me to say. It's for the jury. There was no miscarriage of justice. There was nobody wrongfully convicted. There was no jury picked improperly. There was no defense lawyer or crown who acted improperly. There were witness statements that conflicted with each other. That's important. And I know this comes as a deeply, deeply offensive, upsetting idea to some, We still have proof beyond a reasonable doubt in this country. It won't be here for long. There's no doubt about it. Our prime minister and our minister of justice would dearly like to change that. There are movements that would like to change it. But God forbid any listener to this is ever accused of a crime they say they didn't commit, you might still want the proof beyond a reasonable doubt that you otherwise do not want or like when it's somebody else who's accused.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, why are you saying uh, that you don't think that uh, we are going to have our system is not going to remain intact?
4: Because our system is going to be particularly over the next 10 to 20 years governed by people who believe sort of in the snowflake. uh, Everybody's guilty. Nobody ever lies. We need to have separate courts depending on what the charges are. Human beings are not complex. Everything is black and white. Everybody's guilty no matter who accuses them. Nobody ever has an axe to grind or a reason to get something wrong or to interpret a situation differently. That is the movement of our courts. And when we have ministers of justice on other issues, talking about having separate courts for sex assault, having separate courts for this, and relaxing truth beyond a reasonable doubt, relaxing a defense lawyer's ability to prove their client and demonstrate innocence, that to me makes us a lot more like countries we thumb our nose at, and a lot less like a country I think we should be proud of, which tries to make every T crossed and every I dotted before we call somebody a criminal or lock them up in jail.
1: Okay, Ari, hang on. Let's take a call from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hello. Um, you're on the air. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, Ari, uh, I, I totally agree with you. And I think the problem is we have this child for a prime minister, and you know what? He can find anywhere. If he went for a walk in a park, he could find every bit of dog poop and step in it every way he went. This guy is a child that epically fails on a daily basis. And you've so clearly demonstrated it in your speech today. I mean, I am disgusted with this.
1: Uh, 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 what do you think about the verdict itself?
3: You know what? I'm not even really following this. I just, I kind of came in on the call and it's just, it's more Trudeau. It's just, it's more just, it's the churn. It's the, it's the me think. It's the, it's the Trudeau think. It's the, 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 the mansplaining or the, you know, what the, what, what is it? I don't know what he is. The feminist splaining. I've had enough of it. And you know what, when he starts attacking the judicial system, wasn't that what he did? Wasn't that what he used to go on about Stephen Harper? How bad Harper was about attacking uh, the, the the judges and whatever? And here he is. You know, I, I, really, I'm not even paying attention to this, and I just, I find it offensive.
1: Okay, Bill, thanks for that. Let's go to Bob in Toronto. Hi, Bob.
3: Hi, good morning. Good morning.
1: We're- Good afternoon. Afternoon, yes.
3: <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. Yes, I grew up on a farm, and I understand this boy was on this man's farm. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay, having grown up on a farm, yep. the farmer has equipment that he bends uh, on his life. If it's not working, uh, the farmer could get killed. Okay, so why is there justice for this boy being on this farmer's farm? Sorry? why was this boy on his farmer's farm well he said he had
1: a that that's he said he had a flat tire and was looking uh, for help but uh, he ended up dead
3: right okay well thanks for that fact
1: okay thanks Bob um, Ari um, yeah. It, it, you mentioned that you, you are a little unclear as to uh, why there wasn't a manslaughter uh, charge. Um, what's the explanation for that?
4: So there was a manslaughter charge, but not a conviction. And what that means in English to listeners is you don't have to necessarily find somebody guilty of murder to find them guilty of manslaughter. Manslaughter in English is an unlawful act that leads to somebody's death. The fact that this young man was shot at a point-blank range suggests to me that manslaughter really should have been on the table here at the least for the reckless or careless use of that gun, whether it was accidental or not. To me, it can be soundly argued it was an unlawful act to be that careless with your gun, but the jury believed this was a total accident. That was a little bit concerning to me. In fairness, I wasn't in the courtroom. But an unlawful act that causes the death is a broad, all-encompassing charge that the jury could have found. And it doesn't lead to a minimum sentence. It doesn't lead to life in jail. It doesn't lead—the the judge can do what he or she wants. So that was a bit surprising to me. But I don't pretend to have an understanding of the way the trial proceeded, the way the 12 people literally in the room did.
1: Let me ask you this, Ari. Sorry. Yeah. Uh and this is sort of beyond the question of of whether the prime minister and the justice minister should shouldn't have intervened. Yeah. But um the argument that racism was at play here. I mean, frankly, that's not that hard to believe, is it?
4: Well, I I don't necessarily think racism is a catch-all, end-all word that everybody should be succumbed to that label, or any decision that looks contrary to your own interests must be racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic. I just really don't ascribe to that unless I see something to me that really looks like genuine hatred. You know, you had a caller there. So many people misunderstand even what happened in this Bushi case, the property, the flat tire story, the action, the drinking on that day. Again, nobody should end up dead, doesn't excuse something. It could be murder, manslaughter, or nothing. But the idea that these 12 ordinary citizens who have their own lives, their own hopes, their own dreams, their own backgrounds, their own feelings must be violent racists, I just think that that's a term that is a cheap personal attack rather than looking deeper and asking the tougher and, in my view, more brave questions than just smearing somebody with an ugly label because you disagree with them.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi,
2: Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I have a friend of mine who's from that area, lived there, and he'd been following the case. And apparently at the time of that incident, around that incident, there was an awful lot of you know, personal properties being stolen at night. At And apparently... And um, I haven't heard officially, but he follows the case because that's where he's from. In that truck that those two guys were in, there was a stolen SUV in the back of that truck when he pulled into that farm, and it was just pre- just stolen that day. And it was in the truck, and the police took it away because it was stolen. Okay. So I mean, there was probably justification when he seen the truck. Maybe he'd noticed that truck before. Who knows? but i mean
1: i am but he didn't he didn't argue self-defense um okay bob thanks for your call all right Bye, bye, bye bye uh ari what would you like to leave us with on
4: this i just think at the end of the day instead of everybody virtue signaling about how great they are and taking the easy way out on social media if you don't think something's right file an appeal where there's rules if you haven't watched the whole trial or know every single detail the way the jury did Don't be so quick to call 12 of your fellow citizens racists or other pejorative names when you know nothing about them. I think we could advance the causes of everybody, including Indigenous people. And I certainly don't pretend to speak for any Indigenous person. But you have a much more likely or greater likelihood of success at solving an issue, a complex issue, when everybody sits down and works together rather than everybody points a finger and screams at each other.
1: Okay. Ari Goldkind. thanks so much for that.
3: Pleasure, Libby.
1: Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Doug Ford is in the house. He's ready to take your calls, answer your questions, and mine too. The numbers to call before we go to break, 416 360 toll-free 866 740 and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.